0: See, there's an the invitation of a different way is to live in a, in, into the, the story that Jesus is offering us, where he can be the center of the story, not us. Yeah. I'm smiling as I say it, because that's freedom.
1: Welcome to the Wellspring Soul Care Podcast. I'm your host, Richard Gotthardt, part of the Wellspring team. At Wellspring and Soul Care, we deeply desire to see pastors, leaders, really everyone lead and serve God from a well-tended inner life. Because we realize that the challenges and things coming at us these days can be so overwhelming, distracting, pulling us in so many directions, it's critical that we pay attention to those voices, that lead us into deeper conversation with ourselves, with God and others. And that's what this podcast is intended to do. And so today we get to have a conversation with Chris Hall. Chris served as president of Renovari, spiritual formation organization from 2015 to 2022. He was previously director of academic spiritual formation and distinguished professor of theology at Eastern University. And he's the author of a number of books Including the mystery of God, uh, the Trinity, and living wisely with the Church Fathers. So he's pretty sharp. And his book we're talking about today is his most recent one called A Different Way, which is recentering the Christian life around following Jesus. That might sound intuitive and maybe even obvious to you. Of course, it's about following Jesus, but he actually comes looking at this topic and this issue in a fresh way. I think the conversation is really helpful. The book was a real gift, and so I hope you enjoy this conversation today with Chris Hall. all thank you so much for taking some time to talk to us today and uh, we're going to talk about the book you've just released called uh, a different way Recentering the christian life around following jesus but before we jump into the book i just thought uh, it would be great to get to know you a little bit so if you could just tell us a little bit about kind of your upbringing and even and uh, your faith journey a bit just as you know as much as you want to jump into that
0: Sure, I'd be glad to. Um, I came from a Christian uh family, strong uh a Christian family on my mom's side. And on my dad's side, they would have those dear folks would have called themselves Christians, but they weren't they weren't uh deeply committed uh mm-hmm. to a day-to-day a life with with Jesus. So I grew up in a in a uh a home that was um, in some ways uh, healthy uh, spiritually, in other ways not so healthy. Uh, There was, my mom had some issues. She was the Christian voice in the family, Mm -hmm. but had struggles of her own from time to time. So the way I would describe my home life regarding God is uh, I, I heard lots about God I'm not sure I always saw what a life lived with God, a healthy life lived with God looked like.
1: Mm.
0: and um in the in the book, actually in the introductory ch- chapters, I talk about struggles I had uh, when I was very very little, struggles I had um, with anger, yeah, and, uh, and at a young a very young age uh, with violence mm. and that that's that stayed with me for. A number of years, and I think part of it um I think rich, part of it was um that there was a war of sorts being fought over my soul. Mm. and it, combined with uh, uh, i was I was separated from my mom at birth, and so yeah. uh, she only told me this shortly before she died. so I was never held by my mom mm. for at least a week. Wow. Which I, I've learned is a recipe for anger. Hmm. And so I was an angry little guy uh, growing up, and I would, it was as though there were comp- how to put it, there were competing voices in my mind and heart. Uh, hmm. A voice longed to, to know who God was and what God is like, and a voice that was deeply attracted to the darker side of life. Mm. And so it was very troubling. And it was troubling uh, too, we moved uh, from Phoenix to a a place in New Jersey. uh, And the place in New Jersey we moved to, my mom decided that we would attend a church uh, called, um, uh, what was it called? I think it was called Cathedral of the Woods. But it was out of the classical liberal tradition, okay? And so I was not hearing a lot about God hmm. and And I was watching how people were living. Hmm. And uh, it was disturbing to me, even at that young age, I can remember distinctly i I might have been twelve years old, so the hormones are just beginning to kick in. and um Uh, coming to my Sunday school class and I like cars and I Mm
1: -hmm. Sunday
0: school car and as as I was going in going in walking from the parking lot and I passed his car and I saw I can remember I saw a stack of playboys in his back seat and I thought I thought that something told me that doesn't match what I would think learning some things at home what i would think is the right right thing to do it doesn't Mm -hmm. match it's fit Mm -hmm. and so the the idea of a fit and congruence between what we say and how we're living um has been very important to me over the years and with that kind of a background um i only came into the kingdom of god i don't have a, a, a date i can point to But it was at school at ucla okay because i i ended up on the west coast again in in uh, 68 and it was at school at some time during that time um i encountered uh, a group of folks friends of mine some were involved in athletics at ucla and um they were knuckleheads like i was (laughs) yet wanted to know god too and um, so there were a group of us, through the guidance of uh, someone with a campus ministry at UCLA, who uh, we kind of all came in as best we could <laughs> into the kingdom of God together, and we started uh, we started to learn and grow and uh, help one another, and 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 uh, it, some of those guys are, are still friends of mine to this mm, day. That's beautiful. So it was a lasting a lasting effect. And um I talk about some of the experiences I had at school at uh UCLA with those guys uh in the book itself.
1: Yeah, and you typically t- around when your parents were divorcing and yeah, how yeah, painful that was, that was.
0: Yeah, that was a, the so a central issue I think for, for a lot of folks is we have our lives. And then we have what we hear about God in the scripture. And we, we sometimes struggle to match up what's happening, happening in our lives with uh, the wonder and beauty of God that we encounter there in Jesus. And so for me, uh, the question was for a long time, uh, I talk about this uh, in the book, um, can, can we trust God? That's a pretty basic question
1: yeah it is can
0: we trust god and and, uh and can we trust god not in a world that's perfect but in a world that's like our world a world where we're living between the times jesus came and he's ministered and died and was resurrected from the dead and he left hasn't come back yet how can we learn to live well in that in between time so The question for me was, the big question for me at school, I'm not even sure I was in the kingdom of God yet, was, uh, can God be trusted? Because I start out the book by talking about this horrible uh, divorce between my parents. um, a, A divorce of any kind is like throwing a hand grenade into the family circle. And that's what I experienced there. But it was particularly troubling because I didn't know a lot about God. Uh, just, just learning. I mean, you talk about a a, a baby Christian. Um, I've got diapers on. I'm about two months old.
1: Mm. And then, and then this, like you said, hand grenade then, goes off. So,
0: yeah, the hand grenade goes off. But I thought it wasn't going to go off mm. because um, I had read somewhere, you know, eighteen, nineteen, twenty. You were so young. I'd read somewhere in the Bible, uh, God hates divorce. Well, that's good. And uh, I read somewhere that uh, if you ask anything in my name, I'll answer your prayers. Hmm. So I I combined those two in a very uh, young, immature mind, Mm -hmm. thinking that if I pray along those lines, my parents will stay together. Yeah, The families will be uh, maintained. And I can remember the day I was at school. I think it was my first year. Might have been my second. And I got this official envelope with a looked like a court stamp on it. And I opened mm-hmm. it up. And indeed, the uh, divorce had taken place. And so I was deeply disappointed with God. Sure. Uh, disillusioned with God. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of our listeners might have, those mm-hmm. times when... know we just can't make sense out of what's happening in our lives and the wonder and beauty of christ and so a lot of uh, that's a that's a story i won't go into great detail because i tell about something that happened on the 40 freeway heading north when god spoke to me uh, it's a it's and, a beautiful uh,
1: account. I was very moved reading it, and I won't give it away either. I encourage people to read it in the book.
0: But it, that was a after that day on the four hundred five between San Vicente Boulevard and Wilshire Boulevard, um, you had a very young, immature uh, image bearer, who then, the way I would describe it, entered into this process of formation into the image of Jesus with the goal the goal always being loving God well and loving your neighbor well and so uh, the book itself is called a different way recentering the Christian life around following Jesus because I came to I came to, uh, I came to uh, believe that uh, and in, in talking with uh, even one of the the VPs at Harper, uh, who's published a book, Harper uh, Collins. Mm-hmm. That that people are are confused today, mm-hmm. and uh, Christian folks are confused. They sense that their their lives have some somehow uh, jumped the track. They're they're, they're um, decentered rather than centered on their relationship with Christ. They're exposed mm-hmm. to all kinds of influences in our culture that aren't helpful. Uh, they have all the stuff in their lives they're trying to make sense out of mm-hmm. uh, sins, bad habit patterns, wounds. Uh, the list seems endless. And yeah. so I want—I wanted to write a book to help folks like that. God's precious mm-hmm. image bearers. Mm-hmm. And so that's—that's that's what you get in a different way. The first—the um, first five chapters are basically. Uh, a theology of the spiritual life and spiritual Mm. formation and the next five uh, are about specific spiritual disciplines when i was talking you know i was so encouraged when harper collins under the their label harper one wanted to publish the book because uh i knew one of the senior vps there Mm. and he he and i were talking because i'd known him for a long time and he's he's a he's really a good guy a wise guy but fairly direct Mm -hmm. and so we were i was was, you know everybody wants to get a a book published with harper collins it's one of the big five Mm -hmm. and so i was talking with him and he said well he said i saw that course you taught at eastern university foundations of christian spirituality and that was a, a course that was actually uh filmed at Eastern on on spiritual formation it was called again Foundations of Christian spirituality so he said he said uh I like that course huh. a book about that course huh. and I, said, well okay uh and then we were talking about the book and in that conversation we started to toy with this idea of a different way and so he said write a book on that course uh i don't want an academic book hmm. i don't want that and i want a book with lots of stories yeah and i said right i'll try to write it and he said and there's no guarantee we'll publish it oh okay yeah no contract signed or whatever so uh i wrote the book and occasionally would talk to him and uh Finally, he said, I, I, I'm going to talk to the president of the company. Mm. And, and he he had seen the final manuscript. He seemed pleased with it. I felt, uh, Richard, I felt like I was being very directly, and I don't want to over-spiritualize, but I had the sense I was being very directly guided mm. as I wrote the book. Mm. An illustration would come to mind, uh, there's a chapter, for example, when I use the illustration of a fun house mm-hmm. and talk about distorted views of God that we can have and, and call them fun house views of God. Yeah. That, that I can remember the day I was sitting at my computer and that image came to mind. And the book, uh, just in a, in a manner of speaking, I took my life, I shared things in this book that I had never shared with anybody in print. And this, mm. I think this is, the, the first uh, popular level book I'd, I'd written, a lot of my work has been done on ancient Christianity. Mm-hmm. But in this book, I was as practical as I could be, and I felt at times, not in an inappropriate way, but at times I was transparent, felt extremely vulnerable, especially sure. the stories about the divorce
1: in and, mm-hmm.
0: and my background as a, as a little boy and growing up. Uh, but I felt like the Lord was saying, yeah, You can share those; they'll help somebody. So um, I hope they do. Oh,
1: they absolutely do. They—I mean, I found myself deeply resonating with so many of them, and found myself encouraged um, by one. You were extremely transparent and vulnerable about. about your experiences and, and even mystery of of how how certain things work or happen in the spiritual lives, um, and and I'm I'm curious to even coming back to the title a different way, and I, even the phrase recentering the Christian life around following Jesus. I think it's true that the Christian life has for many people today, and we're let's say the we'll just say the West in the United States and beyond is uh maybe not clearly centered if you will on following following the way of jesus what what are other competing things that you see of people are what gets centered instead of jesus or following jesus in for for people that call themselves christians
0: today oh there's a host of things mm-hmm. a host of things um we i think uh what's offered to us through the technology that we're using to talk together today. There's, there's a, a highway, I could put it, a highway of influences that we're constantly exposing ourselves to. Not just, I'm not thinking simply of sexual material, but a host of voices that we listen to, sometimes uh, less thoughtfully than we should be listening. Day in and day out for hours on end, and those vo- I talk about those uh, influences in different chapters in the book. Mm-hmm. So we have the the, the way that uh, technology affects so- someone, uh, people who are already already uh, twisted and warped by human sin, mm-hmm. and the, the way that that technology can feed into that natural twistedness that we all struggle with. There's a Latin phrase I use in the book quite often. You might remember it. Yes. Incurvatus in in se. Incurvatus in se. It means curved in on oneself. Yes. Curved. Think of, if you're listening, think of your nature. our, Our nature is created by God to be in relationship with him, not with the self at the center of who we are, but with God at the center, and we circulating around God, like a planet circulating around the sun. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was a phrase in Latin that uh, both uh, Lutheran, uh, behind Luther, Augustine used. But, so in the, in the, uh, uh, with our original parents, because of that sin, something happened that's uh, terribly harmful to human nature, and it caused us to curve in on ourselves. Now, if there's ever a stance that uh, is prevalent in not only American society, but globalized world society, it's the stance of people who have placed themselves at the center of their world, thinking they'll find happiness in that stance. And what they find instead is utter misery. Mm. Misery. Because we're not wired to be at the center. Uh, Jesus will talk about that a lot. He says, he who saves his life will lose it. He who loses his life for my sake will save it. So if we put ourselves at the center, we're going to end up imploding spiritually. And so I have concerns about the narcissism, if I can use that word, the mm-hmm. narcissism, that- Christian culture, uh, Mm -hmm. Christian celebrities, uh, Mm -hmm. and so where the goal seems to be, I wanna become Mm -hmm. well-known. Well, I I think there's a better way we can go about this. There's a different way. And that's rather to uh, not be concerned about becoming well-known, but rather uh, to like a flower through the power of the spirit, through these classical spiritual disciplines, opening up to the sunlight that christ mm-hmm. offers us and blooming like a flower where we're not focused on ourselves anymore but rather um on the one who created us is as, as a precious image bearer so a lot of the book has to do with that fundamental movement
1: yeah i i do love so much the theme that you come back to again and again with the the in in curvatus say the the way mm-hmm. we get t- turned or twisted inward
0: i want to i want to and technology, technology, yeah. Richard. In fact, I've read a quote in the book: technology feeds into that. Mm-hmm. The people producing the logarithms and uh, programs and so on know that that's our default position, and they yeah. feed that uh, that tendency within us. And it's the last, it's the last, the last thing we really want fed. But what actually we want to do is to kill that tendency. Yeah. And, Christ bring us back to life in a different way.
1: That's right. It's it's actually fascinating. Even you talk about literally curving in on ourselves. That uh, that their doctors are discovering now that young uh, young men and women are actually experiencing physical um, modification, if you will. Their necks and so on are being bent because they are so used to walking. Uh, and, and sitting in every which way looking down at their device at their phone, oh and so it's li- literally we are literally turning in on ourselves and shaping and reshaping our, our even our bodies around the technology that is in front of us. I want to, I want to, since we're talking a lot to uh, our audience, a lot as Christian leaders, pastors, and others, and there seems to be the, a mindset out there among some, at least, that that pastors or leader Christian leaders should uh, build a platform, if you will, online or um, in whatever way, have a platform and that that platform can be used for, for good things, like build a platform for your church or your organization or your ministry. um, And, and, and that way, a platform that gets used to, you know, speak of Jesus and, and yet, and yet there seems to be this, this temptation, this platform building kind of idea that, that can get, we can get really caught up in that as you talked about celebrity pastors or notoriety for ourselves. What, what have you seen or observed around that phenomenon?
0: Um, uh, great misery, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: great misery. Um, how can I put this? Um, Jesus is not concerned that we become well-known. For, for all my dear pastor friends, he's not concerned that you become well-known. He's deeply concerned that people hear his voice and see him at work in a pastor who is arrested. Focused, stable, sane, not exhausted, not working twenty four seven, healthy patterns of life, and I think I, I mentioned this in the book. I think he, what he would say to us at that point is, even and even if I, uh, even if other people don't see you, if you have a small church and you're faithful in that small church, I see you. I see you, and that's all that counts. It's all that counts. And I'm convinced. Uh, I probably say this in the in the book uh, somewhere. Uh, you know, at the end of our days, at the end of our days, I mean, you know, my gift of years. I talk about life as a gift of years in the in the book. At the end of my gift of years, maybe I have five years to go, maybe ten. Who knows? Maybe longer. Could be shorter. At the end of my gift of years, and and dear pastor friends, at the end of uh, your ministry, uh, the Lord is not going to be interested in how many books you wrote, whether you got on whether you got out on the circuit, whether you became uh, a celebrity pastor, whether your church had thirteen thousand members in it. He's not going to be impressed with that he's going to be impressed with were you able to love the folks that i brought into your life well and were you able to respond to my love as i beckoned to you as i called to you and if the answer is well lord as best as i could Hmm. you know christ will be smiling at us Mm. uh you know i probably i don't know i've written a number of books i don't want to i'm not going to be showing up at, at heaven's gate with a wheelbarrow full of books <laughs> it's almost like jesus would say oh uh, yeah i appreciate it i appreciate it he's <laughs> just gonna wonder um did we respond well to the constant invitations he invites us to every day. To love. To love with the small things, uh, and I talk about the the, the um, problems pastors have in the book quite a bit. Uh, I'm familiar with that world. I was a, a pastor uh, for a number of years over in France and some other contexts. Um, so I'm I'm aware of the struggles that we all have. The I, I I'm eager to offer a different way of making things more simple and less complicated. That would be one one way. But the, the simple way, the different way that I offer is also extremely demanding. The pattern that Jesus offers us is not to become a celebrity. Maybe some of you, hopefully you'll be smiling. Thank God, because I'm not becoming one. The <laughs> pattern is not to become a celebrity. The pattern is cruciform. Cruciform. Jesus couldn't have been more explicit. Mark chapter 8, that's a hen uh, hinge, pin in uh, Mark's uh, gospel where Jesus begins to Pull the disciples aside. They have a certain understanding of what's involved in following Jesus. They're all excited. Maybe we'll be sitting on thrones and so on and so forth. Maybe, in a matter of speaking, maybe we'll become famous like Jesus is famous. Right. And he, he says, no, no. He who saves his life will lose it. He who loses his life for my sake will save it. Take up your cross and follow me and a, a cross as a vehicle of execution. So there are there are things that need to die in us, but the one doing the surgery is extremely wise and extremely gentle, and he will know what needs to be done when he looks at a given image bearer's life. And I think the bottom line is uh, giving up, surrendering and saying, Lord, the way I've been uh, living my life, maybe my life as a pastor, this is not working. I am so tired. I'm so frustrated. Uh, I just like to go out and play golf. Mm -hmm. Somehow that's, or, or go to a baseball game or whatever it might be. I just like to be able to relax, catch my breath. And yet I've somehow gotten into a pattern of life. I'm working seven days a week i'm never away from this particular job and yeah. i can hear jesus saying well i appreciate it i guess but i never lived that way myself
1: hmm.
0: so I, I i think that's what i mean by recentering. yeah we can, we can get bumped we can unconsciously get bumped off uh, a healthy way of ministering and a healthy way of relating to god we can get bumped off that by um, the christian culture we live in because uh-huh. what's oftentimes modeled for us um, is uh, a culture that says, if you become well-known, if your church grows, if people are writing about you, if uh, your book uh, starts selling, whatever it might be, then, then home run. Uh-huh. And, and I, I hear Jesus saying, well... Maybe maybe it's a single. <laughs> maybe it's a single. Uh, I think I think there's just a a, a really a different way of, of viewing these things that is much more life
1: giving. As you said, the first part of the book is this uh, sort of a foundation spiritually for uh, a life with God and. Than these practices, I'm I'm curious again, especially for pastors. As you think of your own uh, both experience as a pastor and now seeing many in ministry for many years, do you have are certain spiritual disciplines? Do you feel like are, are needed uh, especially by pastors and leaders?
0: Yeah, I do. So well, almost, almost anything can be a spiritual discipline almost anything Uh, but the ones that I think are particularly important in light of the speed and the workload of Mm -hmm. pastors slowing down learning to slow down Mm -hmm. learning to quiet down Mm -hmm. I have a chapter on the discipline of slowing the discipline of, of quieting down um I've got a chapter. Uh, it would be classically uh, known as the discipline of simplicity. Mm-hmm. Now, simplicity. Oftentimes, we hear that. Well, I have to spend my money better and uh, buy cheaper, and so on and so forth. Issues such as those. No, that's not. That's not at the heart of simplicity. Uh, the heart of simplicity has to do with the willingness to stop living a duplicitous life. Mm -hmm. Now, a duplicitous life is one that's characterized fundamentally by falsehood. Where we're, my dear pastors listening in, do you find that the life that you're speaking, you know that the life that you're speaking is so radically, it's significantly different from the life that you're living. Even Mm -hmm. if you're the only one who knows about it, that disjunction. So simplicity is really uh, learning about, learning to, how would I put this? Learning to tell the truth with your life. Mm-hmm. To tell the truth mm-hmm. with your life. Not speaking out both sides of your mouth. Mm-hmm. And I give a, a couple of examples um, in that chapter uh, from a couple of Renovari folks, one Juanita Rasmus, an African American pastor living in Houston, and another Rochelle Rochelle who both talk about this struggle to constantly meeting people's expectations, mm-hmm. never getting enough rest, uh, so concerned about how they're being perceived, and duplicity is constructed on appearance. In fact, um, I I just wanna wanna read uh, just briefly here, what duplicity sounds like. Now we're talking about simplicity. So what I did was I uh, looked up the Cambridge Dictionary. I looked up the word duplicity. We want simplicity. Duplicity's got that prefix, duo, Mm -hmm. two. This is what I found. None of these are going to make you smile. A crock of, Mm. artifice, bad faith, be a pack of lies, Mm. canard, feed somebody a line, fib, fiction, flimflam, forked tongue, lie, mythologize, perjure, polygraph, stretch the truth, white lie whopper
1: Mm.
0: now those are all words that were in the dictionary related to duplicity Uh, simply put duplicitous people lie a lot Mm. with their words and with their lives and we know at least at the beginning we know we're doing it and it's troubling and at at night when we had a long week we might have even spoken well in church people applauding us we know when we hop in the sack at night, what the truth of the matter is. And so I, I wanted to write that chapter along with a chapter on slowing, because this, I think I think these uh, dear Im- uh, image bearers who are pastors, they want to live lives of integrity.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: They want to live a life that fits together. Yeah. They, they want to live a life that's congruent. Mm-hmm. No, we're not going to reach perfection. Uh, this side of heaven. But people know, when they run into somebody who's moved into that kind of deep simplicity, they know it, and they're attracted to it. Mm -hmm. And they also know when they run into somebody who's speaking out of both sides of their mouth. Mm -hmm. Somebody who might be talking about controlling anger, and yet in the office all week long, is terribly angry mm-hmm. so that it the the book is really a a, a gentle effort to provide a different way i yeah. and my general sense is that people who who are reading the book are walking away uh encouraged not just mm-hmm. uh no, absolutely I, how I feel like they got hit with a two by four or they I threw a bucket of ice water in their face, that kind of thing. But I think that that they walk away um, encouraged, realizing it really is possible to change.
1: Yeah, in fact, one of the things I love about the book is throughout the book, it's just peppered throughout with little boxes, if you will, that have that invite people to consider, or, or here's something to reflect on, or a step they could take, or. Pray this at this moment. And so very practical, doable steps that people can engage in. One of the things I wanted to come back to in terms of when you talk about the gift of years and you have this wonderful exercise where you invite people to look back over different decades yeah, yeah. of their lives. And I really love that because, you know, maybe people are familiar with like a life map idea but you had a couple of different lenses. Um, could you talk about the lenses you invited people to look through as they consider the the years they've lived?
0: Yeah, so I did this myself. Hmm. so I um, thought of the uh, actually that idea of a uh, mapping out your life and praying through the decades of your life came to my came to me as I was writing. Hmm. I, thought, I wonder I wonder if we can. Uh, do this. And so one of the things that came to mind, well, how, how should, how should we go about this? So, you know, I'm, I'm now 73 in my 74th year. So I've got uh, eight decades. Hmm. Uh, And then, so I went back to say 1950 to 1960. And uh, I asked myself the question, well, Who are the significant people in those years? And some smiles came to me and some sad faces. So so who are the significant people you might pray through in your first decade? Say you've lived 50 years, so you've got five decades. Uh, We break them down, who are the significant people? And then uh, what are the significant books? What are the significant films? Uh, What are the significant life events? What are the significant life experiences? Uh, And so you can um, work at something like that and the result is, I think clarity comes. And clarity comes when we see what's deeply affected us and shaped us over those times. Taking your uh, your gift of years, I like that phrase.
1: It is a good phrase.
0: And seeing, and seeing what's happened during those years. Now, sometimes, uh, say you have an uh, somebody who's eighty, and in their eightieth year, they come into a relationship with Christ. Well, does that mean that that, that everything's wasted up to that point? And it, my gift of years has been um, gone up in smoke. No, no. What if what if God has been preparing you all your life? You're 80, you're bent over. It seems like my life's really been uh, one failure after another. No. What if what if the Lord's been preparing you for the last five minutes of your life? Oh. The last five minutes of your life. There's something that you're going to say. There's something you're going to do that was worth a lifetime of uh, experiences, some good, some bad, all in preparation for that last five minutes. Oh. Uh, God, God's in, God God can well redeem time. Yeah. Well redeem uh, the time in our lives. So uh, just to be a little bit repetitive, I, I think that's important in a spiritual life. So what are the significant ideas that have formed and shaped you? How about the significant books and films? Yeah. How about significant life experiences and events? How about significant experiences? So you you map those out, surround the process with the grace of God, and say, here's my life. Here's my life. That's it's not different. over yet. It's not over yet.
1: That's beautiful. You
0: know? I, I, and I love those lenses.
1: I do. I love it. Particularly, I think, books or and or films, depending on the person, I think, That those uh, shape us, and I love you. Listed C.S. Lewis had some of his there, and and I think you know, for many, there's ways that maybe even maybe even a movie shaped someone in a way that they hadn't really reflected on. But just to note, look back and like, oh, I've been living in light of that story, or what what story am I living into? And then that's
0: a good way to put it. Yeah, yeah. What story am I living into? See, there's a the invitation of a different way is to live in a and in, into the the story that jesus is offering us where he can be the center of the story not us yeah i'm smiling as i say it because that's freedom that's where freedom is found i don't have to be at the center And he still sees me and loves me and is fully aware of whatever I've discovered in praying through the years and is more than willing to uh, forgive whatever needs to be forgiven and and to really uh, bring life and uh, luxuriant living, flourishing living out of what sometimes looks like burnt over territory. As far as I can tell, that's the gospel. Mm-hmm. At the that's end of the book, it was, uh, you know, at the end of the book, I think it's maybe on the last page or next to the last page. Um, I, as, a, uh, as we've shared, is is a young guy, probably up to the age of 21, 22, and even into my early 20s, had a terribly difficult time. Loving other people, and my and the people who knew me best knew that to be the case. And at the at the, uh, and I thought, in fact, at the little Jesus Street Bible School, I taught at, and was a student at first, and later taught at this unaccredited Bible school. One of the teachers once was talking about love, and he looked at me and he said. We all know that Chris can't love. Oh. Oh yeah, no. He said, that, he said that. You know, it's I, awful. I said, yeah, yeah. I knew it was probably true. It was a little discouraging. Oh. I, I still remember it.
1: Yeah, I would
0: say. I thought, well, there's oh. work. All right, there's there's work I've got I've got to do. So I, I write this at uh, the end of the book. I remember a conversation I had with a friend who had not seen me for a long stretch. She had known me when I first started my relationship with Jesus. And when we crossed paths a few years later, she spotted growth I had never noticed. You've changed, she said in the course of our conversation. Really? I asked somewhat skeptically. Oh yes, now you can love. When I first met you, you couldn't. Her words encouraged me and gave me hope. Mm. So as you keep in step with Jesus on a different way, be patient with yourself. Slow, small steps with Jesus do add up. Wow.
1: That's beautiful. Wow, it's such an encouragement. Mm.
0: Can I read can I read to our friends the last? a paragraph please do yeah because i I was trying to think well how how should i end this book well anyway for what it's worth yeah our journey together on a different way has drawn to a close at least in the pages of this book as i say goodbye one last reminder that love is the principal means of spiritual growth the mark of a maturing Christian, and the goal toward which we are called by the Holy Trinity. We grow by loving, and every spiritual discipline helps us to love more deeply. As we keep in step with Jesus, we look more and more like him, think more and more like him, and act more and more like him. For we are his precious image bearers. Our footsteps match his ever more faithfully. We stumble fewer times. By God's grace, people see him in us and are blessed in the seeing. For Jesus is the greatest lover in the universe. As we continue our pilgrimage with Christ into the future, our love grows and matures. For we are finite creatures and our traveling companion is both human and divine. Jesus's love like that of the Father and the Spirit is boundless. It is infinite. When a finite image bearer travels with the incarnate Son Our capacity to give and receive love continues to expand. This is what the future holds for us. Each moment, a new taste of God's immense, intense love. And and the pathway to this wonder and beauty is a different way. So I hope folks have got a little taste for this book Mm -hmm. i felt like it was the first book that i felt like i was not only offering my mind to the reader but i was in some ways offering my heart and uh hopefully that will help them
1: it's it really is a gift of a book and i and i personally just was so benefited from it as i get to read it and and sit with it there's some uh, places that have really marked me i want to Your chapter on Lexio Divina is just a wonderful gift, and if you haven't, uh, or even if you have uh, um, tried out, it's soaking in and chewing on scriptures. There's just that chapter alone is so rich, as well as your chapters on prayer and each of the each of the practices. So, thank you for the gift of this book and and for your life that is that lives into them. These are there's a uh, a congruence, as you said earlier, that is. Well,
0: it um... took a long. It takes a long time. It's, I, mm-hmm. A lot of work to be done.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But when one mentor um, said to me, "It's in the book." One mentor said to me, "Chris, spiritual formation is the slowest of all human movements." Mm-hmm. I was so glad to hear that. <laughs> it is really. it's things were taking so long. Yeah. The infinite yeah. patience of God, who delights when a little image bearer, a little creature, says to Him, "I want to learn how to love You. I want to learn how to trust in You." Uh, so, so I guess, I, I, I guess you can get the book on Amazon if you're interested. Yeah, uh, Barnes and Noble, uh, Harper's got it all over the place, from what I understand. Oh, great! Uh, I just pray that uh, that it will help people
1: absolutely and we'll link uh, to it in our uh, i always love saying this in our show notes but we'll link to the book and um and again just want to thank you for giving this time to us today and for sharing your life and wisdom with us not only in the book but
0: in in this time as well sure it was wonderful nice to meet you nice to make new friends same same here
1: Thanks so much for listening to today's conversation. We hope it's been helpful to you, and we'd love to serve you in any way we can at Wellspring. For more information about who we are and what we do, please go to wellspringca.org or look us up on Facebook. Just search under Wellspring. Until next time, grace and peace.